What's up, guys, and welcome to the Live Relentless Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sean Ostrowski, at the Dr. Sean Ostrowski on Instagram. This show is all about breaking down what it means to live relentless every day. We'll be going through the daily tactics you can use to improve your life and the lives of those around you. We make self-improvement fun again while giving you the tools to bust through the learning curve of life create massive success at any level, and begin building the life of your dreams. Guys, I'm so honored to have you here with me on this journey. Grab your paper, grab your pens. Here we go. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Live Relentless Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sean Ostrowski, and I have an awesome guest with us today. This is one where you're probably going to have to listen to it more than once because I know he's going to break down some things in a, a really cool way. Um, we have Cole Allen with us today. He is a realtor. Um, he is, man, so many different things. I don't even want to mess it up. So talk us through what we just talked about, the different different things you have going on, and, and then I want you to back up and talk, tell us how you got there. Okay, cool. Well, my name is Cole Allen, um, born and raised in Rome, Georgia. Went to school here, um, graduated from Darlington School in 2009, went on to the University of Georgia, where I got a degree in agricultural business. Um, started working for a company there out of college doing food service. So I worked for a corporate franchise, Barberitos Franchising, um, in and out of the store, um, had dreams of opening a restaurant, bringing one back to Rome. Didn't work out, learned a lot through the experience and kind of just by chance wound up in real estate um, from a success suggestion from my older brother. You know, my aunt was in it. She was doing really well at the time. And she said, you ought to go talk to Mandy. I said, all right, cool. Had a quick conversation with her and made my mind up in about an hour. And that was about six years ago. Nice. So I've been full-time real estate since 2017. Started out as a buyer's agent on a full-service real estate team at Keller Williams. Um, leveled up there to an independent agent. Found some pretty quick success and, you know, to, in our market here in Rome, Northwest Georgia, left there, joined a local company, learned a lot from the folks there, really enjoyed my time there. But as we grew, partnered with another guy, Brad Cargill, outstanding man, great real estate agent, great professional. And we had visions to kind of grow our own brand. So we broke off from there. We started our own company called Cargill and Allen real estate company. Um, and now we have property management. We've got a full service real estate brokerage um, development company, kind of flipping houses, you know, developing some stuff, kind of just all things real estate. So, okay, that's really cool. Well, first of all, I mean, I give you a lot of credit because how, how old are you right now? 32. 32. So you've gotten that far. You've created quite a few different, I mean, let's call them what they are. They're, they're, they're cash making machines. Really, every every single one of them has the ability to really produce a lot on its own. Sure, and I absolutely. think I think when I hear you talk, I'm so impressed by you. Last time we had our conversation, when you were just breaking down some of the things for me, um, some of my questions because real estate is something I I don't think I've put a lot of my time and energy into learning. Um, but I think that's probably how it goes. That's probably why why you do so well, too. There's so many people that just want to invest silently, want to know the playbook, and they need someone good to rely on. But I just remember you talking me through the different things you put together, and I'm like, man, all these different different pieces to the puzzle can do so well on their own, but you're trying to bring all of them together. Um, 
and honestly, it reminds me a lot of you know the Ledbetters, the the, the process they have going on. And well, they they've been around a long time, so it's, yeah. it's pretty cool to be mentioned in that same name. I wouldn't say we're quite the Ledbetters yet, but well, you know, they weren't the Ledbetters be either. That would be an end goal to be somewhere if we could be a fraction of what they've done. Mm-hmm. I think that would that would be successful. <laughs> well, I do see that for you, man, because they trust me, they weren't. I mean, when it all started, I guarantee they weren't, you know, who they are now, right? So everybody has to start somewhere. Sure. Um, so I said, doing all those things. Um, what are your, what are you doing right now, and what are your, what are your plans for the near future that you're really excited about? So right now, since we've started our own brokerage, we have really been. We've just opened up our own office. You know, we've been remote for you know since COVID, since 2020. You know, we all set up our own home offices, like you've got set up here. Um, and we've really been working back to finding the right location for us to grow our businesses. So we landed on that spot about a month ago. We moved in March 1st. We've been, um, you know, getting the office ready, doing some renovations, fixing some things, um, and just bringing on agents to, to help grow them. Um, I'm, I'm the, um, qualifying broker for both the companies right now. So really my goal has been obviously to keep my production up, but also, lead the other guys so that we can then develop them into the leaders that they would, you know, strive to be and they can build and grow their businesses to help serve their clients better. Our goal, our goal is to bring value to the transaction, bring value to the process. And through that, we do it through education, setting expectations with everybody Mm -hmm. so that there are no surprises. Um, And just getting people from the start to the finish with, you know, with the least amount of stress as possible, and hopefully they're able to learn a lot about the process that can help better serve them in the future because, you know, home ownership and property is a great way to build wealth in America. And it's really built around that. And we really enjoy that and helping people build wealth through it. Cool. So I want to jump right in. Then. So it, kind of similar to the conversation that you and I had not too long ago, it, is there advice you would give to someone that just needs to start or just wants to start, right? Maybe has a little bit of money in the bank. Maybe they say they have like $50,000 in the bank that they could probably say is safe. Um, and then, you know, after you have all your, I always say, you got to have your rainy day stuff covered too. You got to have so many months of rainy day. I mean, if I'm hoping you're going to say that. I, I w- Let's just preface there. Make sure you have some money sitting aside that is free and clear, that you don't need for backup, that you don't need for a rainy day, that you know, is just there sitting there, right? I would say it's probably a good place to start. But then even if you even if you just walk us through, what, what would you say from someone who wants to start and start investing in some way or maybe wants to buy their first home or wants to kind of get into the rental, um, the investment part of part of things? How would you how would you start that process? Because that's, that's usually the big, big paralysis, right? The, the analysis paralysis. How do you just get started? Well, that's the big thing. I think a lot of people come to us all the time. Say, hey, Cole, I got, you know, $30,000. I want to flip a house. Or, hey, Cole, I've got this much money. You know, I want to buy a duplex. I'm just like, well, you know, why do you want to do that? Mm-hmm. You know. I want to make bank, bro. I want to make bank. Yeah, we all, I want to make $50,000 on this two-month flip. And, you know, all sounds great. But there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So I think the first step would really just be sitting down together and having a good, honest conversation about what your goals are mm-hmm. for you, for the real estate for your family, you know, or do you have kids? Do you have kids in the future? Like, what does it look like for you on a personal granular level? And from there, we can engineer a plan Mm -hmm. that makes sense for you to go to get you and help you reach those goals. So I think it would just start with a conversation. Really, I mean, it's really that simple. Real estate is not difficult. It's very simple. It's not always easy. 
you know, but it's cool. It's unique. Um, so I would say I would just start with a conversation and just have the conversation about what the, what are the goals and what, mm-hmm. what's your intent here? Yep. And then based off that, we can put, put a plan together to best serve you. Yep. And I think a lot of people, you know, they, they either bought a house and now they, they might have a little bit of equity in it. Not a ton. Let's say like, for example, in my, in my situation, my goal was to what, I already knew going in that I wanted to start investing in real estate, have some have some rentals, um, long term rentals, and hold them, and eventually have those those mortgages paid off, you know, by someone else. And then, um, you know, obviously, I understand that when you own a home, there is a chance that you could be paying double mortgages right, if you don't have someone in that space. So I, I think it's great to be realistic and understand that you know you're not always going to have the perfect sunshine and rainbows situation. Um, I think that's where property management comes in. I want to get to there too. But, you know, we kind of went backwards, right? We, we, we bought a house that we like a lot, maybe a little bit more than what I would have wanted to. The, the price range there for, for example, for trying to make a profit on it in a rental situation. Could we rent this? Sure. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe a little bit higher in the price range than what we, that we, what we needed. Um, and now we got to work our way back. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in that same situation that they're like, they can't do the, the, the game plan like you and I talked about. So walk us through that game plan of, you know, what you see is that really, really good way to just go from one to the next, to the next, to the next, and, and then come back around to, however, if you've bought a house that maybe is a little bit more, how do you restart that process or reverse it in some way? So I'll just use my personal example as an example. So my wife and I purchased the home. My wife and I purchased the house a couple of years ago. Um, we got in before the market really just went wild and nuts. So we were mm-hmm. able to get in at a good price in a good neighborhood where interest rate's super low and our payment escrow, everything is at a really, really good competitive rate. Um, so really our plan was to, hey, if you live in a property at least a year or two years, then you can move out of that property and rent it. You can buy that as long as you can afford to buy the next home without selling that one. If you've saved enough money, you've got enough money there for your down payment and your closing costs. Find that next home that's kind of in that same ballpark as far as payment. Um, You just want to make sure that you can rent that house and cash flow it for enough money that it makes sense for you to hold the asset. So for me, that's about $400 to $500 a month. If I got a $1,500 a month payment and I can rent it for $1,900 or $2,000 a month, which in this market is doable. In our market in Rome, Georgia, you can, mm-hmm. in certain areas, you can get two grand a month, $2,200 a month for a property. So that's kind of where I like to focus my my attention are those markets. Um, and so our plan is right now we're looking for our second house to purchase. To move in there, we're going to rent out our first home. We're going to cash flow it. And with that cash flow, it's going to help offset the new payment on our next house. Mm-hmm. One to two years later, depending on the opportunity. If an opportunity hits me at 14 months, hey, got a good chance to buy this house. Hey, we'll go ahead and do do it again and repeat. So the plan is over about five to seven years to purchase five to seven houses and then just cash flow those houses. And then in 15 to 20 years, have them paid off. And then there's our retirement. So how does the debt to income equation come into that? So it's all going to depend on the individual, of course, you know, car payments, child support, you know, what are your income, you know, what are your liabilities versus your, your assets. So um, depending on the loan you're getting, you know, your debt to income could vary. Conventional loan, they're going to want to see, you know, a lower debt to income ratio, but with an FHA loan, you know, sometimes you can push that to 50%. 
Now, I'm not saying push that to 50%. Not everybody should max out their budget and go buy a house. We don't want anybody to be house broker, put themselves in a position where they're going to be unhappy or they're going to mm-hmm. be stressed financially. Because the last thing I want for someone is to be disappointed in their choice and their purchase. Because sure. then a lot of times it's going to fall back on the real estate agent. You know, if they're looking back and then saying, well, you know, he was telling me I was good, you know, everything looked good. The bank said you can do it. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean you should go for it. So I think as long as you're comfortable and you can afford the property and it makes sense for you and your family, go for it. Mm-hmm. So I was, I kind of fall into this debt to income equation just because, you know, as a business owner, you know, I don't pay myself, right, the way most people do, you know, it doesn't really make sense to do that for tax purposes. So, you know, on my, on my, you know, spreadsheet, it looks like, okay, this guy has a house, he has student loan debt. And I think that's probably where maybe, maybe I get hit a little harder than some people, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think people. There's a lot of people in my shoes that more than likely would be listening to this because I have a lot of friends who are doctors or you know in the in the healthcare in the healthcare field. So my big my big question is how how does someone who's maybe making sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year kind of in that let's call it Rome, Georgia? It's kind of that 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 place. Maybe fifty, maybe seventy. If they're they're kind of going to fall in that bucket, how could they? Buy one home, have a have a a debt, right? Probably looking at two hundred thousand, maybe maybe a little less, depending on how good how, how how the property is. And then you buy another. Now you're sitting at another one hundred fifty or two hundred. Now you're looking at four, and then you try to buy another, and you're looking at taking on now almost three quarters of a million dollars in in debt with an income of seventy. Now maybe I guess you can show some income off the other houses. So is there a way to do this that that I don't know about? Is there a way to to leverage you know one home to help buy another? How, how does all that work? There are. It's just going to come down to your debt to income. So now there are equity lines of credit you can take off. You know, say they purchased a home um, in 2016, they're making 50 to 70k a year, like you said, but they haven't moved. They haven't done anything since then. Well, we've seen this huge growth here. So they might have bought that home for 150, 160,000. Well, that home might be worth $300,000 now and they don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Right? So then they could easily as long as you know credit and other things you're falling the place, they could easily go to a bank and say, "You know, I'd like to open up a home equity line of credit on this property." Um they're going to give them probably 80% of the LTV back so they could use that as leverage to go purchase another house. They could sell their home buy a quadruplex, live in one unit, rent three out, live for free. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different ways you could go. I mean, yeah. it just all depends on the person and, you know, what are their goals and, you know, what's their situation like. Yeah, I keep on telling my wife, who cares if we have three close neighbors, you know, just, just buy a quadplex and we can just, <laughs> she like, won't let that fly. Well, it's the, short, it's the short-term <laughs> game. Like the house my wife and I are looking at now is actually the first house I started with, the very first home I bought. For like eighty thousand dollars, put about thirty thousand in it, renovating. Nice little house in Somerville Park, tiny, super mm-hmm. tiny, but it's very nice. Well, that girl who bought it from me actually called us a couple of weeks ago. She's getting engaged. She works at Shorter. Her fiance is going to be kind of driving back and forth to Carrollton, so they need to move, um, and they want to sell the house. And I was like, Morgan, yeah, let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's buy it. it back. We'll rent our house. We'll go live here for a year. It's going to be tight. But with the cash flow off our other house and how cheap this house is going to be, we're going to be living pretty much for free. Yeah. Like no overhead other than, you know, one vehicle and our utilities. Yeah. 
and you know, and we've got good income right now, and I see that continuing to grow. I was like, you know, this little yearly sacrifice could really, yeah. really set us up well. Heck yeah! Um, so that that's the goal right now is just to find the next opportunity, and um, you know, we purchased some land, and we're planning to develop some duplexes on it, um, which is right near our office and right near where we live now. So we've got some cool plans in the works. Cool. How big is how big is that land? So we bought an acre and a half. So we think we can get about um, ten duplexes on there. So about okay. twenty doors. That's awesome. That's not even that. I see I see a little pieces of acreage for sale all over town all the time. And I always I always kind of look at it like, okay, is that even worth it? You know what can what can go there, or you know, is is it in a commercial area? Like, what's the zoning? Yeah. Right. It's all going to depend on the zoning, and there are ways you can get that changed and um, request it. But you know, it's just a process. Gotcha. Okay. So I was reading on, on your Facebook, you said something about, you know, having that pre, pre-approval can be such an important thing for someone who's looking to buy. Walk me through that. So the first step is just getting with a mortgage lender, your local bank, whoever it is you like working with. If you don't know anybody, I'm happy to recommend some great people that are local here. Just getting with them to figure out what your borrowing power is, what you can afford. Mm-hmm. And based off that, then you can start kind of narrowing down houses. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know you can afford X, and when I know I can get a house that's X in these certain areas of Rome, we can start looking. At the very least, it's going to give you a financial roadmap of what it's going to take for you to get into a home. And that yeah. could be that I never tell anybody they can't buy a house. You know, maybe the credit's not great. Maybe they don't have enough in savings. Nobody, you can always buy a house. You're just not ready yet. Mm-hmm. So the whole first part is to speak with that lender Get that pre-qualification. If you can't get the pre-qualification because of some kind of factor that's outlying, mm-hmm. pull the factor out, get a plan to get past that, get the credit up, you know, save a little bit of money, and then we'll go look, right? So yep. if we talk to the lender first, figure out our pre-qualification, then we'll be in a good position. We're going to be educated yep. to purchase a house. Never want to just be like, ooh, let's go look at this house and then find out. You might fall in love with something and find out. Hey, man, you're 18 months from being able to do that. Mm -hmm. And who knows where the market's going to be in 18 months. And then they're disappointed. So like I said, our biggest whole thing is to set expectations, avoid letdown. Mm -hmm. And we do that by teaming with great vendor partners, great lenders, great home inspectors to make sure that the client's taken care of every step of the way and that they're educated every step of the way. Definitely. So that when they go to do this again, whether it be just buying that first house and buying a bigger house for their family or keeping that first house and moving into a rental and doing the whole rent thing, they've got a good plan and they're learning along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and they're ready to pull the trigger usually too. You can pull the trigger a little faster when you have the pre Okay. Yeah. You're an educated buyer and you're prepared. And you know, if we go to make an offer on a house and it's competitive and we haven't got that pre-qualification yet, we're not going to look good in the seller's eyes. They're going to say, well, yeah. you haven't done what you needed to do. Right. And that's always the first step. Right. That was going to go with who's, who's serious, you know, mm-hmm. Money talks and yes yeah. yeah. walks, right? That's right. Um, okay, so what, what would you say? I, I want to get into this, but I want to I want to hear what do, what would you say the biggest obstacles are right now for people getting getting approved for financing on a on a home? Well, I think a lot of folks right now and what we're dealing with is just the spike in interest rates that we've experienced since probably you know last summer. We're probably going on nine months right now of it really just shooting up. So. You've got folks that purchased through all of this hype when interest rates dropped to under 3%. So now you've got all these folks, and I'm one of them. You know, I mm-hmm. bought a home at 3%. Why would I want to sell that and then go get into another house mm-hmm. that's, you know, 65 or 7%? Sure. You know, that 
that just doesn't make sense for people. And I get it. And we're starting to see listings really dwindle because of that. So it's going to be a really competitive summer for buyers that are ready to buy because listings are falling because people aren't ready to sell. Mm-hmm. Unless there's a property out there that it makes sense for that individual, like I said, if it makes sense for the people, then they're going to do it and they might sell. Um, so it's going to be very competitive. So I would say interest rates has buyers on the back burner. Um, but that shouldn't really scare people because interest rates, you know, they're really not that bad. We've just seen such an increase in prices. So now, you know, an interest rate, it just really messing up people's payments. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, but I always tell folks, like, if you can afford the house and it makes sense for you, even if it is a six and a half percent interest rate, can you afford it? Are you going to be house broke? No. Do you like the house? Can you see your family there? Mm-hmm. Yes, to all of the above. Well, then go for it. Mm-hmm. You can always refinance later when rates come down, and you'll be happy. But if you're just making a lateral move from a three percent to six percent, hey, we're buying a house that's no nicer because the increase in equity. You know, we're having to pay up. It's probably not worth it for them. Gotcha. Okay. Um, do you ever see like credit being being a problem for people? Um, you know, you can get into a house with an FHA loan at 585 credit score, which is not a high score. So what, walk us through, like say to someone, there might be someone out here right now that doesn't know, doesn't know what that is. So what is, what is an FHA versus a conventional? How many times can you do an FHA? So an FHA loan is, um, it's government backed loan. You're going to get a, probably a more competitive rate, but there's going to be some extra fees involved and yeah. I won't go into the fees. I'm not a lender. Um, and that's going to depend on the situation. It's going to depend on the buyer's credit score. It's going to depend on what are their debts. It's going to depend on you know how much money they're putting down. An FHA loan requires that a minimum three and a half percent down payment. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing with an FHA loan it too is that a seller can pay your closing costs. They can credit mm-hmm. your closing costs. So they can give up to six percent of the purchase price as a credit to the buyer to cover their lender and attorney fees. Now it's still on the buyer to come up with a three and a half percent down payment. But, you know, when you talk about, you know, just like a $200,000 house, you're going to have probably $10,000 in closing costs in addition to that down payment. Mm-hmm. So that can get pretty pricey. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're making fifty grand a year, you know, there's, that's half of your income for a year with your down payment and closing costs. So yeah. it's really cool to know that you can really negotiate that into the purchase. And that really comes down to having a good real estate agent that knows what they're doing and knows how to negotiate. So just you know for everybody listening to this you know i i consider myself a pretty intelligent guy i know a lot about a lot of things but i'm going to ask the question i don't really understand what an fa i could have read about it but i don't really understand the difference and and how i I always i guess i always assumed that you can only do the fha once no you can there i mean there are some rules and there are some like you could have a couple of fha loans they just can't be within a certain distance of each other so there's a certain like like i couldn't have an fha loan in this neighborhood and then go buy a house. Excuse me. Okay. And then I can't go buy a house in the same neighborhood with an FHA loan. Okay. I could keep, you know, if I had a, my, my, my house right now is a conventional right now, but say it was FHA and then we wanted to do this, live there for a year, move out, go rent, repeat. I'd have to go, I don't remember the, the exact distance, but I mean, it's a, I think it's like 40 miles. Wow. Okay. Or something like that. I don't know exactly. We got, I can quote it. I can get with touch with the lender and get a more accurate number, but there's a certain distance there that you can't be within and have both FHA loans. Conventionals, you can have them all over the place. Yep. And, you know, as far as down payments concerned, a lot of people think that, hey, you got to put 20% down to buy a house. That's not true. 
Like you can put on a conventional loan as low as five percent down. Right. You know, there's a hundred percent. There's a hundred percent conventional loan. Depending, yeah, out depending there. on your credit too, yeah, right? Depending on your credit, depending on your debt to income ratio. Mm-hmm. So, like, you might qualify for a conventional loan, but to get this house, depending on your ratios, you might have to put twenty percent down to get the loan value where it needs to be, so that your debt ratios mm-hmm. are where they need to be and where the bank wants to see okay. them. But if you're highly qualified, you can put as little as five percent down. Some areas in Floyd County that are rural, I mean, you can get a USDA loan that's 100% financing, and the seller can cover up to 6% of your closing costs. So really, in certain cases, and we haven't seen it a lot lately because the market's been so hot for sellers, but we're starting to see it shift back in the favor of buyers just because there are so few buyers out there now mm-hmm. that are wanting to shop with these higher interest rates. Sure. So um, with a USDA loan, I mean, you could literally be in a house – Zero money out of pocket, like and that, and that's if it has a, a decent amount of how, how much land does it have to have on it? No, it doesn't have to have. I mean, it can be this this neighborhood that you're in qualifies USDA. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Now income income levels, you know, if like you for example probably wouldn't qualify for a USDA loan because your income's probably too high. I wouldn't qualify for one because my income's too high. Mm-hmm. But the average person in our market here in Rome, Floyd County, Cartersville, you know, Chattooga County, Polk County. Most of those folks that are making that fifty to seventy, I think it's like eighty something thousand dollars a year. Too much. So if you make under that, I think eighty two thousand. If you make under that, you can qualify for USDA loan. Are, are there motivations for lenders to not tell you those types of things? Like I want, I want to understand. You know, if I go to a lender and I'm asking, hey, what? Like for example, my wife and I um, found a piece of property that we, you know, would like to probably jump on. Um, getting a soil tested, making sure it perks, all that stuff. Want to get want to get it properly surveyed as well, so we can get a good idea of what the land looks like and where we could build if we want to. Um, but but I, I'm, I'm been curious. You know, if I go to if I go to a lender, are they going to push me in a direction that serves them best? And I I, obviously, you don't have to. You know, I can't speak for most lenders. I know that the the folks that we typically work with, they're going to look at the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to say, well, you can do A, B, or C, but B is the best case scenario for you. Okay. Right? But yeah. but if we get to a situation where that's not an option, depending on location, maybe USDA is the best option for that buyer. And then there are certain guidelines they got to meet. They meet them. But that house, the house that they fall in love with doesn't meet them. Okay, well, we can move them to an FHA. They can still get the closing costs paid. They just now got to come out of pocket that 3.5%. Mm-hmm. And they're either prepared for that or they're not. Gotcha. And if they are, all right, cool, let's roll with it. It's not the ideal situation we wanted, but we love the house enough that we're willing to come out of pocket for it versus going with the USDA house. And purchasing land, different rules? Yep, there are some different rules there. Um, typically with land purchases, you're looking at, um, it's like a conventional loan, but they're going to require at least 20% down. They're not. You're not going to be able to get 3.5% FHA loan. It's going to be a conventional loan or it's going to be a land loan. You're probably putting at least 20% down. You know, I've seen some banks in the past do as low as 10, but I haven't seen that in a while. Okay. Um, you know, some local banks might be able to do some in-house loan stuff, depending on the borrower. You know, if they've got a good relationship with the bank, they might, in the depending on market interest rates, they might have some leeway there, some negotiating room. I know we bought our first investment house with a 15% down payment with a local bank here. Before this market really shifted, interest rates were still real competitive, market was still steaming. Um, and then, you know, just a few short months later, we bought our second, but they couldn't do the 15% then just because it just shifted the way it had. So they said, you know, we got to have 
Gotcha. Okay. So I hear, you know, I I was was going through your Facebook, just kind of reading some of the things you've been posting about. I saw one that said vacation home demand is still strong right now. So what what do you think the benefits and risks are of buying a long-term or a short-term rental, I should say? Because I'm assuming that's what you mean by a vacation home. Maybe someone just wants to buy a home they want to use for themselves. But I think a lot of times right now, people that buy vacation homes or some really high listing usually they're going to use it for some sort of short-term rental, right? Airbnb it or VRBO it, however that works. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been seeing a lot about Airbnbs having, you know, really busting lately. Mm. Uh, I've seen a few I've seen a few articles about this kind of, you know, it just got flooded the you know that everybody was crushing it. Airbnb, Airbnb, short-term rental, short-term rental. I really haven't seen it so much in our market here, but around the country we've seen Airbnbs really get hit hard. You know? what, do we, what do you think that is? I think that you know the the looming talks of recession and you know inflation. I think a lot of people, a lot less people, are really that expendable mm. income's not really there. And a lot of places are, you know, they're putting some crazy taxes on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's where I want to take this conversation because you you say real estate is your is your niche. You see a lot of these guys like Grant Cardone, Tony Tony Robbins doesn't talk a lot about it, but if you get him if you get him on a private conversation when he's not talking about leadership, he does know a lot about real estate. Mm-hmm kind of the the perks of you know coaching some of the best minds in the world that in my let's these guys are talking about how right now or soon we're going into maybe an economic winter or we may have already been living in one for a little while um we're not going to come out of it and get into the sunshine for maybe another seven eight years but it doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of room for expansion and growth and like you said there's a lot of this natural tendency to kind of just right scale in and just hold really tight where you're at and just you know i want you to kind of speak to that and then also you know what are what are some ways in the real estate market where you can still kind of really bust through that and then come out in a big way like maybe take maybe take advantage of where we're at right now do you see any of that going on is is, are there ways to take advantage of this situation um and not necessarily just hold and 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 hope i think the folks that are going to do well through whatever we're about to go through, or maybe like you said, maybe we're going through it now and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think the folks that are going to do well are the ones that are not over leveraged. The ones, the folks that aren't, you know, they didn't overpay for, you know, tons of property through all this hype, you know, they didn't get caught with their pants down essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think that if you've been saving your money and you've got a good cash position, I think you'll be in a good, I think you're going to be in good shape. I think that, um, there's going to be some good opportunities that are going to come up. Cool. Yeah. So vacation homes, not so, not so hot at the moment though. Well, I, for me, I don't have any desire to ever buy a vacation home. I can't see myself doing that now, but you know, who knows in 10 years. Um, I know a couple people that are looking for vacation homes in, in Florida right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're the kind of folks that, you know, I won't say that a recession won't affect them, but it really won't. You know, yeah. so if they can afford to do it and they want to do it, they'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So I always hear, I, I get conversations back and forth. You know, you have some people who are so, so dead set on, I don't want to own a home. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd rather just, they feel like it makes more sense to rent because there are, there are some inherent things with owning a home. Like, you know, one of my, one of my, you know, heating and cooling units could go out. That can cost money. You could have the roof go and, I probably have to have my roof redone, but you could have the roof go. That could cost some money, you know, mm-hmm. 
And some people that say, oh, renting is better because, yes, I am paying a fixed amount every single month. Well, not fixed. It goes up. But you're paying amounts, um, but that's it. Yeah, you're not tied down. I mean, mm-hmm. it might make sense for them. Like a lot of people, it might make sense for them, especially folks that are young like us or younger. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be tied down. They say, you know, I might just want to live here a year, see how it goes, and mm-hmm. it might make more sense. You know, it's a lot easier to break a lease than to like, oh, well, now I've got to mm-hmm. sell a house, but I bought it a year ago, and then, you know, I've got realtor fees, and I've got this, and, you know, they're yeah. asking for – it's just a lot that goes into it, and you get – you could get caught with your pants down, right? And you're mm-hmm. like, if you got to move and then you lose money, nobody wants to lose money. Nobody, you know, they just don't. So, um, some for some people, it makes sense to rent. You know, Grant and Carnegie will tell you, you know, don't buy a house. It's the worst investment you can make. Don't buy a house. You should, you know, rent your house. He's like, he even says, you know, I don't even own my own house. I, you know, my LLC owns my house and I rent it from my LLC. It's just a better deal. I get a better deal. So it just all depends on the individual. You know, you can use property and home ownership to grow wealth. You really can. I mean, the average homeowner in America is worth probably $250,000 more than the average renter. Okay. So what are the benefits of owning? And then kind of walk me through that Grant Cardone mindset after that. So benefits of owning, obviously, are it's yours. It's your property. You've got nobody coming in on you. Um, it's your responsibility to take care of it, obviously. But if you take care of the asset, it'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the benefit of holding, you know, for the average American, I think outweighs certainly renting. I think if you're the Grant Cardone mindset of, you know, he's a multi-billion dollar real estate investor. So obviously he owns apartment buildings and all kinds of stuff all over the country that's making him billions of dollars a year. So I think for him, it doesn't make sense to own. Because he's flying all over the place. He's looking at real estate. He's buying rental property, and that's what he does. Mm-hmm. He owns and buys rental properties. So, you know, that's what he's selling. So if he's over here, you know, buying multiple vacation homes and owning all this property that's just costing him money, and then he's going over here, I mean, it costs him a lot of money. So he's not going to own anything that doesn't pay him. So it doesn't make sense for him. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, even still, you know, he's – in a way, he is owning. He's kind of just doing both. You know, yeah. he, he's under. He's becoming his own his own bank, basically. That's exactly what he's doing. Um, but that's not the average. Yeah, know, obviously. definitely not. So, so listing prices are like you said, like an auctioneer's reserve price. Walk me through what that looks like. So you said in today's market, at least at least this is something I was reading on your Facebook. So I kind of wanted to see, like, you know, what type of things are you doing? What type of things are you saying? Um, but that one really hit me. In today's market, listing prices are like an auctioneer's reserve price. Let me refer back to that article. Okay. And I thought, I thought it was kind of interesting because I, I was just at an auction not too long ago. And, uh, yeah, they always have like this fallback price that they're, they're not willing to go much, much below, right? They're like, this is the lowest we're going to go. Um, and I just kind of wanted to hear wh- where, you, where you're at with that. Because when, I, when we bought our house... I think we probably could have got it for less than what we got it. But my my real estate agent at the time said just, I think you should just go ahead and um, and pay or just give them what they're asking for. That way that way you know you're not going to not gonna lose it. And I was just like, okay. It didn't really feel like there was much much competitive nature there. Nothing we did that was trying to like get it for a better deal or anything. We, paid st- we still paid a lot of closing costs and stuff. Still pretty new to the whole home buying um, process. Now I think in the future, if I ever buy again, I'll be a little bit less um, naive. 
Um, well, you know, and you bought right there really at the, the high, high point of the market. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we really weren't seeing sellers negotiate at all. Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't. I mean, even if they were absurdly priced with the house that needed an addition, a new mm-hmm. roof, it needed a new HVAC, and they were still getting top dollar. Now mm-hmm. we've seen that back off a little bit. The houses that do need some work. Yeah. I, I would know, say, too, in my situation, man, if I could say anything to anybody, it would just be, be patient. I think... You know, you spoke to you spoke to that earlier, and again, I, I do want to hear more, and we're going to get into a little bit more. We have about ten minutes left. I do not make all the best decisions, and a lot of times I get a little bit impatient. That's probably my my biggest downfall I as a person, too. right? And so I I started I was paying all this money in rent, and I just got tired of it. I'm like, God, I just want to be done with renting. I, I literally told one of my buddies, I was a real estate agent in town, and he owns some. He has a property manager. I think he's actually got out of it recently. I don't, I'm not going to say his name, but. I was like, dude, how do I, what would I gotta do to buy a house? I'd rather just be putting money into something that's gonna be, you know, my own kind of bank account, basically. Basically what equity is. You're you're buying your house back. It's just adding money to how much you have in the house. I'd rather do that than just pay it, pay it, pay it, pay it. And my wife was on this on board with it too. And and I think we both just got a little ahead of ourselves and, and we probably could have waited for now, right? We've been in the house maybe eight, nine months. Mm-hmm. We probably could have waited to now and, and probably had a little better situation, maybe more money in the bank too. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, we have the house, we like it. Um, eventually I'm sure, you know, more rates will come down. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're in a, in a good position in that we do, we do cash flow pretty well. So it's not like, you can't make it back. Yeah. Yeah, You know, you're still able to save. mm -hmm. So that's what I say. Like you, you sit here, maybe we did pay too much for the house. Maybe it does need a little bit more work than we want to take on. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're still in a good position financially that you're able to save. You are able to take care of an issue if it were to pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're in a good neighborhood. So I think yeah. that, you know, in the long run, you're going to be okay. Again, but patience, I mean, that's the big word. That really mm-hmm. is. It's the big word. I mean, if you're in real estate as a real estate agent who's, you know, it's feast or famine. I mean, it's 100% commission out there. There is no guaranteed dollar anywhere. You only win if your client wins. You only win when everybody wins. So mm-hmm. that's really like how I like to approach my old business is through patience, through a little bit of grace and knowing that, you know, it'll work out the way it's supposed to work out and knowing that I've done everything I can to educate the seller or the buyer through the process to get them the best deal possible. I and, love that. Yeah. And I think that's why we've been successful is that, you know, Brad and I, we, we don't buy leads. We don't pay for any external anything everything we've done and everything we've built has all been organic it's all been word of mouth sphere of influence referral based business and even through this market turning we've stayed busy now we're not at the pace we were you know summer of 2021 i don't think anybody is right um but we have stayed busy and thankfully we don't live outside of our means we're able to save and continue to invest and grow where we want to and i think that through like this upcoming call it whatever it is recession or whatever we're going to i think we'll we'll be in a good position to come out of that you know guns a blazing i love it um one thing i really want to ask you is is it i'm I'm pretty impressed by you because a lot of people get the real estate license and they start plugging away as a realtor and then that's pretty much it right they kind of just that's where they finish they don't really go any further than that they make it make a good living doing it most of them um, 
what inspired and maybe they do start buying investments. I think most people do, right? Once you get into real estate, you start seeing this whole new side of the world and they start buying investments and great. But what what do you think inspired you to want to do all these other different umbrella pieces like cogs to the wheel? Um, my first year in real estate went to, I was with Keller Williams and went to Anaheim, California for family reunion, which is they do two events every yeah. year. Like one's family reunion and the other one is, I forget what the other one's called. So anyway, go to Anaheim and Gary Keller in his keynote speak. Um, keynote address was like incredibly intelligent guy. Obviously he built the biggest real estate company in the world. He's got this billionaire up there. Super humble guy though. And just the way he talked about real estate and how he looked at it and his approach to it, that shifted my mind to from real estate agent to like, I want to be an investor because he said something to me. Well, he said it to everybody. He was like, you know, when you get called to list a house, when you get called to go to an appointment to view somebody's house, you're the first buyer that gets an opportunity to buy that house. Mm-hmm. He's like, you should look at that house as like, they're calling me to sell their house. Well, like, mm-hmm. can you buy that house? Does it make sense to buy that house as an investment for you to help grow your portfolio, to grow your wealth, mm. if that's one of your goals? So that really shifted my mindset that day when I heard him say that. Um, and that's really kind of what's taken us from just buying buyers and sellers are great, and that's the bread and butter right now, and that's what it's been the last few years, obviously, and that's where it started, but it's grown to so much more, I think, because – of the entrepreneurial mindset, you know, we're yeah. real estate agents, but we're all, you know, we're business owners, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's where you, that's where you find the difference between like a, a good agent and a great agent Yep, is someone that takes it seriously, that gets up, has routine, they go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people get into real estate because oh, I want the freedom. I want to be my own boss. You know, I don't want to have to be at an office, you know, nine to five. But in reality, like if you want to be successful and be a high level, high producer, you need to be in the office probably longer than nine to five. Mm -hmm. You have to be constantly talking to people, constantly feeding your pipeline, constantly bringing value Mm -hmm. to everybody, not just through homes or businesses, but through, hey, you need any like you're dealing with an HVAC issue. Call me. I've got a huge list of people that can help you. You need an electrician. You need a plumber. You need a landscaper. You need somebody to do a French drain. You need somebody that can put your fence up. You need a handyman that can fix your toilet. I got you. Call me. I don't need you to call me just if you need to buy or sell a house. Right. If you need help, you need a contact. Call me. Like, I'm here to help. I'm here to provide that for you. And and that's how we run our business. It's not just a real estate agent. I like to consider myself more of a consultant that happens to help people buy and sell real estate. That's awesome. Well, like I said, I really appreciate that that genuine nature, which is you know why in the future we'll be you know we have already tried to go through you to to buy a, a rental property and just it, it kind of fell through. We'll um, I think yeah, I think we'll be in a better position here in a little bit. I think it makes the most sense. It was probably God telling me just to hang tight for a little bit. You're in a good spot. Yeah, I have some other things in the boiler that I'm trying yeah. to trying to make make happen right now, but. Um, I call that entrepreneurial ADD. Yeah, dude. <laughs> tell me about it. It's, I want to do all the things, and I want to do all of them right and right then, now. Right. And then the next thing pops up, and you go, well, maybe we could. And then mm-hmm. you're like, well, just focus. Yep. And as I get older, I think I'm start, I'm slowing down a little bit in that regard. But, um, yeah, man, I'm just glad we had you on. We're running out of time here. I do want to um, just thank you so much for being on. I also want to give people, especially in Rome, Georgia, you know, where can they find you? How can they get in touch with you if they do want to 
buy or sell or looking at land or you know might just need some of those other um, services that you were just talking about so you can go to our website cargillallen.com mm-hmm. and all of our contact information is there you can fill out um, your information and we can reach out to you feel free to go to our facebook page cargo and allen realty group on facebook message us directly there it'll go straight to me or my business partner brad um, you can contact us there. Um, our telephone numbers and everything is there. All there. So just cool. feel free to go there anytime you'd like. We've got a lot of cool information there. We've got a, a really cool lending calculator there. If you're curious to know, like, hey, if this home's worth this much, you can plug and play different down payments, interest rates, all kind of different stuff. So, And it's pretty accurate. Very so cool. if, you, if you just want to get on there and play around with some numbers, feel free. If you have any questions, give us a call. Um, you know, we've got an appraiser that a full a licensed appraiser that works with us in our office if you if you're a seller that's just curious what your home's worth and you might be thinking about putting it on the market and cool. you want a, an appraisal we've got some options there for you um so we just we just try to bring as much value as possible it's all on the website um if you have any questions at all you know call us anytime yeah well thank you like i said thank you so much for being on and again i, I mean it if you do have any questions or if you do have um any needs in the, in the real estate you know department these guys are are definitely a good fit for you i mean before this all even came about cole and i sat down he took a good hour and a half out of his day maybe longer and just answered my my simplest questions some of the ones that are just probably a little bit tedious and he's probably answered a million times but there are if you have questions these guys are going to help they're definitely willing to sit down and and explain the best avenue and i think they really do want to want to make it win for you and and not just for them and i think that's really cool i can see that when i'm talking to him i can feel that when when he's speaking that it's it's about making sure you're happy in the situation not that he's just put a little bit of dough in his pocket um and i really like that he's got all those other fish in the fryer because he's looking at this the equation from a lot of different ways and i think you know specifically for me i think you know we could partner up and build some really cool things in the future too um and so Anyways, so so grateful to have you on, man. And um, again, reach out to Cole if you have any questions at all about your specific needs. And uh, again, guys, just continue to plug away. If you're looking at investing in real estate, this is this is a, a really cool way to, to build wealth for yourself, to, to do something a little bit different than just work, 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 work. Um, you you want to be making sure you're having your money work for you. And I think that's a really cool way to do so. It's a really stable way to do so. Um, you know, the stock market's up and down and the home market as of late has been. But at the same time, you, you're going to own an asset that's yours and it's going to eventually appreciate more than likely. Um, I don't want to speak too loosely about that. But at the end of the day, moving through and to and from different listings is a really cool way to, to, to grow your wealth. Because if you have one home, you can be getting, you know, you can be paying for that home, which is great. You're building equity. But then if you buy another and you move into that home, someone else can be paying for that first home in a, in a, in a yeah. rental price, right? So you're, now you're paying the mortgage off without your money, which is really cool to me. If that's the, the simplest concept of, of you know, owning an investment property, I think it's yeah. someone else is paying off a mortgage for you and building basically a bank account. And that's the whole point there is that, you know, yeah, even if it cash flows just a few hundred dollars, that's not probably going to change your life. But the whole point is that the asset's being paid for by someone else. The little bit of cash flow is going to offset any little repairs that mm-hmm. are going to come up along the way. And then eventually once the house is paid off and then you're cash flowing, you know, 100% right. of that rent and you've got five or six of those, I mean, that, that could yeah. be, that, that be $100,000 a yep. year mailbox money. Yep. You know, put pass it off to a management company. 
they'll take care of the asset, make sure your tenants are well screened and um, taking care of the property. And you just sit back and, you know, continue to invest or do what you want to do. Yeah. I told my, I told my wife that too. And uh, I said, we'll wrap it up. But I told my wife that too. Is like, Hey, even if we did decide to move into something a little smaller, right. And then, you know, a little bit, a little bit less on the pricey side and rented this out. She's like, well, who's going to pay that much for rent? And I said, it doesn't really matter. I mean, at the end of the day, people, I think people just always forget that cash flow is great, of course. But, but, but when someone else is paying for your for your mortgage for you, that's still hell of a hell of a deal. Well, what? About, and my buddy owns a lot of property. He goes, yeah. Well, what if you have to fix something? There goes your profit for the year. I'm like, yeah, but I would have had to do that anyways if something broke. Yeah. I guess someone else might not take care of your your home as well as you could, but but. If you screen people properly, again, if you have a property management person in there that screens properly, which is what I would always do anyways, because I can't even hire for the most part, but try to put somebody in your house. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm going to have to pay for that thing anyways. If, if it breaks or if the roof or I'm going to have to pay for it If and, and on top of my mortgage. So I don't know. For me, it, I think it makes sense either way. Um, but again, Cole, thank you for being on here, answering some of these simple questions. And guys, if you have any other questions, he can definitely get you there. Um, you have an awesome day. And again, just continue to be relentless and continue to, you know, be intentional with your life. I love you guys. And I, that's why I want to bring some good people on the show just to answer questions that I know I have. And if I'm sure if I have them, there's other people out there that have them. Absolutely. So I love you guys. Have an awesome day. There you have it, guys. You made it to the end, which means you want to better yourself, and that makes us kindred spirits. I'm so honored that you are here listening, and remember, to live relentless means you embrace each moment of life. You are determined to better yourself every single day. You don't make excuses for your shortcomings, and you build the life of your dreams and look for ways to lift up those around you every day. You are a leader and you push your boundaries until you realize every ounce of your God-given potential. You do all of this because you know that when it's all said and done, you can look yourself in the mirror and love that person looking back. Guys, if you saw value in this episode, I ask that you please like it, share it, and subscribe to my channel for more. Again, you can follow me at the Dr. Sean Ostrowski on Instagram. Guys, I love you, and I want amazing things for your life. If I can help in any way, please reach out. And I want you all to have an amazing day.